0: Welcome into the Redbird Report. Dan McLaughlin with you. We do this every Monday on 101 ESPN. And coming up, we'll talk a little Cardinals baseball big weekend against the Chicago White Sox. The Cardinals return after 17 days of being away. We'll talk it over with Randy and Michelle. My visit from Carricker and Smallman. Also, my visit with Brad Thompson as well. So much to get into. Debut of seven different Cardinals over the weekend. That hasn't happened in almost 60 years in Major League Baseball. We'll get into that. That was so much fun to see. And also, the Cardinals taking two of three. Brad Thompson, Randy, Michelle, Cardinals baseball back. All that coming up on 101, the Redbird Report, here on 101 ESPN. Every Monday, have the chance to visit with Randy and Michelle. Welcome back to the Redbird Report on 101 ESPN. Carriker and Smallman, always great to visit with them and talk about a special weekend in Cardinals baseball. It was back in Chicago. Just wonderful to have baseball back. I know our fans... um... They miss it. We all miss it. And it's a distraction. As I've said from day one, it's just a distraction. I mean, I know we we don't have fans in the stands. It's not ideal. But you know what? It's baseball back and gives everybody uh, a couple hours to sit back and enjoy some baseball. We all miss it. So it's great to see. Dan, what were some of your takeaways from this weekend? A lot of debuts. I mean, Dylan Carlson's the the first one that comes to mind. I mean, it was exciting to see him, whether it was a normal season or not. I think we've all been waiting for a storyline of Dylan Carlson to unfold. We finally got to see it. I loved his debut, left field, right field, center field. I thought he took some great at-bats, even though um, he's had some good results, didn't have great results. But I thought his at-bats in general were really good, really good at-bats. He keeps the barrel of the bat in the zone for a long time, so he's not going to be overly fooled a lot. So when you watch him taking a bat – you know, one of the things that was kind of a knock against him is coming up his exit velocity. You know, in in this day and age of baseball and sabermetrics, they, they say, well, you know, you look at guys exit velocity. A lot of times his exit velocity didn't jump age. But one of the things that you look at with him is the barrel of the bat and how long it gets through the zone. So he's not going to be overly fooled. He is a very good player. He's a solid player. He's a good kid. He listens. He's only 21. And so when you watch him take at-bats, if you're watching the game today on Fox Sports Midwest or tonight, game two of the doubleheader, um, that's what you notice is that he's just not going to be fooled a lot. Um, So I took away that. I thought Seth Elledge in his debut was terrific in what we saw from him. Uh, I love seeing the story of John Nagowski, a guy that had been drafted a 34th-round kid, had all gone all the way down to uh independent ball and then comes back up and then makes a debut. I thought Max Schrock, a guy that had hit 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 in the minor leagues, basically had been a 300 hitter in the minor leagues, finally got his shot. He gets two uh, base hits. The other one I really liked was Jake Woodford. I thought Mm -hmm. Woodford, he gave up one home run. It was the only hit he gave up. I thought that was a great debut. Um, The other one was Rob Kaminsky. Now, here's a great story, too. A great story, because he was a first-round pick and then had all kinds of arm issues he's only I don't know if he would break a pane of glass anymore but here he is a non-roster invitee had been traded for Brandon Moss originally a draft pick of the Cardinals now comes back to St. Louis and there's another debut in this crazy season and uh, winds up uh, getting a major league debut in a day he'll never forget and then a day we'll never forget was Royal Ramirez you know gives up the four home runs and I know a lot of fans are saying why did Mike leave him in for the four home runs And I understand it. I mean, it's logical. I think in a normal season, you would not have seen him out there for the four home runs. However, there's five games coming up at Wrigley. The team had had 17 days off. You are trying to get him one more out to get out of the inning and save... Literally, you're saving arms. You're trying to figure out how to get innings out of guys, and now you're trying to cover up all these innings coming up and all these games coming up. You don't know where guys are. You had already had a doubleheader the day before. You couldn't go back to those pitchers. You're just saying, hey, just give me one more out, and he couldn't do it. Um, but it was um, it was tough to see that. He had only had two appearances above... Double A. So you're watching truly a minor league pitcher trying to pitch in a major league game against the middle of the order, against a very good White Sox club. Again, I'm not making excuses. It's the big leagues. No one's going to feel sorry for you. But that was a tough one to watch.
1: And I'll make an excuse for Mike Schilt. The first three home runs came in four pitches. It happened in
0: a blink. In a blink of an eye. And something happened with his splitter. I wonder if he yeah. developed a blister or something, but something did not go right anymore with the splitter. Didn't split. It didn't split. It stayed up and it went out. And, and they got out in a hurry, and it was like, like watching BP for Major League Ball players, yep. and it was tough to watch. But hey, it happens. But you, to your original point, Michelle, what did I take away? I love. Always, I love seeing major league debuts because it's not just about the player, it's about mom, Mm -hmm. dad, brother, sister, aunt, uncle, family, coaches. Uh, friends that all get him there to that point. So it's such a cool story, and that's what I love seeing.
1: After game one on Saturday, Mike Schilt told Jake Woodford that he was going to start about a half hour before. So by Woodford design. To, yeah. You, but, you bet that's by design. No doubt. But So <laughs> Woodford has phone and te- text everybody in the yeah. family that you're talking about. Say, I'm pitching me. Make sure you're watching. Well, could you
0: imagine if Jake knew, you know, like five days before the buildup. Oh man. Like he hadn't slept probably for five days and, you know, and then the night before he definitely doesn't sleep. So he's already nervous anyway, because he'd been on the taxi squad and then you're just in a big league city. And then you're thinking about, okay, when is that time going to come? So if you get, just give him a half hour, you don't have time to think, right? Just go grab your glove, grab the baseball, go get ready, go pitch. And I thought his stuff looked great. I thought Elige's stuff really played. Great. Mike Maddox had told us in spring training that this is a guy to watch for. He had been traded for Sam Tui, Valala. He had made an impression the last couple of springs, and uh, he really showed well in the game yesterday for sure. Another name I want to throw in there that I love seeing, how about Alex Reyes? Loved it. Um, that's another guy, man. You just you pull so hard for. I remember meeting Alex. I, I go down for the Cardinals to do some work um, behind the scenes in spring training, and we are put in the minor league um locker rooms, if you will, clubhouse to do our work for video and, and radio spots and various things. And they said, hey, you got to meet this kid, Alex Reyes. This is probably, I don't know, maybe five years ago. They said he's rehabbing, but he's got to be a major leaguer, Dan. Will you go shake his hand and just, you, you're you going to want to meet this kid. I said, okay, sure. I'd love to meet a future major leaguer. I get a jump on things, get to say Hello. <laughs> I said, How you doing? Uh I'm I'm Dan Alex, nice to meet you. He said, How you doing, Dan? <clears throat> Very nice young man. And uh we had a nice conversation. He never forgot me. Every time he'd see me, Dan, how's it going? Alex, how are you? So I got the chance to always be around him, was on a Cardinal caravan with him, always had great conversations with him, respectful, and he had been through so much in his career, privately, personally, mm-hmm. then the injuries. And I liken his debut to probably the most electrifying pitching debut, along with Rick Keel that I'd ever seen. And it was against the Cincinnati Reds, and I got goosebumps thinking about it right now. And when I called that game, I thought, this is unbelievable stuff that I'm watching. This is can't, I mean, you hear about can't miss prospect, mm-hmm. that is can't miss that night. And he had everything going, change-up, curveball, fastball was upper 90s. And the thing that I saw on Saturday was a guy that was not cutting off his delivery. He was finally letting it go. And the last couple of springs, when you would watch him, you could just tell he was not letting it go. And what I saw on Saturday was a guy that was finally just letting it go, and that's where you saw the upper 90s. Now, I don't know if that's a byproduct of him just finally saying mentally, hey, I'm at a crossroads in my career, and whatever happens, happens. I'm just letting it go. Or finally, physically, he feels... 100% and saying, here it is, I'm back. Now, you could tell with the breaking ball, even though a couple hit the dirt, but it was dropping off the table a foot and a half, Mm -hmm. it's there. So once he gets all that together, it's just electric stuff. But he's got a fastball that's not only 98, but he had great movement. So that is going to play. And I loved how they did it. One inning, strikes out the Mm -hmm. side. Get him out. That's something to build on, and it's finally something positive for Alex Reyes and the Cardinals. And
1: hopefully he can maintain his health because oh, another game in 2016, uh, when he, the game in San Francisco when he threw the seven innings yes. and threw something like 81 pitches, and I remember asking him about, him about that at the winter warm-up. I said, did that help you figure something out? Because was, he was really efficient for the rest of that season. He said... Yeah, it, it proved to me that, that my stuff works in the zone. If I just throw the ball over the plate, yes. the guys can't hit it. Yes. I, I, that's
0: what we have been saying, too. I, I think what he got with lesser stuff is that he got skittish. You know, when, when you throw 98 to 100 with movement, you can get away with it in the zone. When you throw 94 to 96 and you're inside the zone, major league hitters, they don't miss it. And that's what we saw in spring training where he would have an inning. And he would he would go one, two, three. And that was happening this spring. And then he'd go out for another inning, and he might get the first guy, and then he'd miss with 94 to 96, and it's in the seats. And so that's a problem. So when he's now throwing upper 90s, and you may miss location, but with movement, guys miss that. Mm-hmm. And so... That that's, again, to your point, if he's throwing his best stuff, and you may miss location a little bit, but your upper 90s with movement, you you can get away with it.
1: The game that Shelby Miller started against Colorado, where they got a hit in the first inning, or uh, the first at-bat. EY Jr. Yep. He got the first hit. First hit. Then 27 up, 27 down. And the way that Shelby Miller's ball popped in the zone, Mm -hmm. the movement when it got to the plate was something that you just don't see. Agreed. And I know that... Shelby, he was suspended by the Cardinals a lot of times. Not a lot of times, but several times before he made it to the majors. And there was a level of immaturity there. But I think during his time here, I thought that he had grown up. I had a pretty good relationship with Shelby. But I'm really disappointed that he never got a chance to become what I thought that he could become either.
0: I was thinking about this yesterday. I was watching Dansby Swanson of the Atlanta Braves and wondering, where is Shelby
1: Miller? Mm -hmm. It, you have any idea where he's at now? He somebody's. He might have gone back to Arizona. Texas? Arizona? A, Texas, that's it. Yeah. He was with Texas this spring. Um, I haven't heard
0: about him. I was wondering I about either. that yesterday. Uh, I don't know. And I was thinking with all these different guys getting called up, Rob Kaminsky specifically, where are guys like Shelby Miller? Right. I mean, if you're hanging around, you might have a shot. Right? You'd think so. I mean, uh, I'm going to be fascinated what the Cardinals do. He opted out of 2020. Is that what he did? Yeah. Okay. Um, Actually, I did know that. Oh, he was the
1: Brewers. He had been with Texas. That's right. He did.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm fascinated what the Cardinals do in the second game of this game tonight with the uh, Cubs. The Cubs, by the way, are also without Chatwood tonight, who is Mm -hmm. scheduled to go in game two tonight. KK will go in game one. Tomorrow will be a normal nine-inning game. And then you have a doubleheader again on Wednesday. You could theoretically have Austin Gomber come back. Jack Flaherty would go in game one or two. So you could have Gomber or Flaherty, flip-flop, however you want to do it. So you could have those guys pitch. Throwing out out one through five, at least for the first mm -hmm. ten to fifteen. 15 days, yeah. maybe? I, I, you maybe know. one
1: through eight or something like that.
0: And then you have a scenario that you're, at least for the time being, not sure about the Reds. Reds would be the next opponent. Now, they are scheduled to fly potentially to face Kansas City on uh, tomorrow night. They would fly potentially either late tonight or tomorrow morning. They have, they have had a, a potential positive test with one unnamed player. The Royals? No, the uh, Reds. Oh, Reds, yeah. So the That's Reds right. would face Kansas City in Kansas City, then come to St. Louis. So, um, But Major League Baseball being and B with, with uh, what's happened with, obviously, the Cardinals and the Marlins. So we'll see how that plays out. So, again, we'll,
1: we'll wait and see. But uh, it's uh, kind of a crazy 2020 season. Would you guys like to see, for eternity, the doubleheader become a seven-inning each game? Count cool. me or, in. Me too. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I think it's fun. I have heard from
0: more people that have enjoyed the seven inning doubleheader. Now, from a ball financial standpoint, I doubt that they would want that because you've got breaks that you want to get in. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's true. Yeah. The money, the financial yeah. part of it is clearly something that you you want to get in. And when you get fans back in the ballpark, you're talking about hot dogs, beer, soda, cracker jack that you got to sell.
1: But they could sell beer at the bottom of the seventh anyway. Not soda. That's true. <laughs> not yeah, that's, not hot dogs. That's a good point. Um, not your merchandise. Yeah. And you don't have the back to back. Pretty much every double header that you play in a normal season is a day nighter anyway.
0: That's right. So that would be the part of it. The television, the radio aspect is um, your, you know, your commercials. So you you, yeah. you lose that inventory good point. Yeah, so I so you I wasn't can't, about can't do that. Part. Yeah, all decisions based upon revenue, Randy. Come but on. <laughs> from a fan standpoint, yeah. I I really started thinking about. So when Wayno was going in that game, I thought, man. Okay, so we're getting to the inning with this guy. Now we're in the fifth inning. And by the way, how gutsy was that performance from Adam? Awesome. W- I, I looked at that game and I thought to myself, man, he's, he's pitched some big games. I thought the Pittsburgh game in the playoffs, I thought the game that he came back in and went the distance after it was an emotional game that I interviewed him in in regular season. I think it was against the Padres after he'd had Tommy John surgery and he finally kind of figured mm-hmm. it out. Um, and he, was, he actually teared up in that game. Afterwards, I thought that was one of the great games. His run in postseason as a closer was such a great game. And I know this won't get the play of those games. But you talk about when the Cardinals needed a big start. And this will not get the play of those games. But that game that he threw on Saturday. And again, it's only five innings. I get it. But this team just had 17 days off. We have no idea what the team is going to do offensively, defensively. we got guys we have no idea how they're going to hit. And this guy at the age of 38 just goes out and deals you five innings.
1: Are you kidding me? And once the Milwaukee quarantine started, Mike Schill told us after the game on Saturday that Every time he talked to Wayno, Wayno said, "When we start up again, I want game one, that game one's mine." and so finally convinced Chillte of that, and I don't think there was any doubt about it, but then he was also battling to go out there for the sixth inning, too. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I mean yeah. seriously,
0: this guy was throwing, uh, throwing long toss into a net in his front yard and yeah. just gave you five innings at the age of 38. Seriously, that is an amazing start Phenomenal. that he, and you when you need innings. You have to have innings, especially in game one, because he could go out there and give you a third of an inning. And then, you have no idea, and you're also facing nine innings the next day and five games coming up at Wrigley. Mm Mm-hmm. You had to have somebody give you innings, and he did it. I mean, that is a gutsy performance. It really is. And not
2: on an inning standpoint, but for him to say, I want the ball, I'm the leader of this yes. team, and know that he's going to
0: set the tone. He went out there saying, I'm going to set the tone for what this is going to be moving forward. Michelle, you know when you know that he is locked in? Is First of all, watch his pace. But the other thing is, he gets a little, kind of like a little hump in his back. Seriously. Yep. Okay. And he kind of. He just—he, I—I can't explain it. And when I, he's I wish looking
1: it, in to get the sign,
0: yes. Oh
2: yes, I know exactly what he, you're talking about. And he
0: just kind of, kind of see a little gnarliness to his face. Yep. I'm serious. Yeah, you can tell he's locked in. He wants the ball, and he feels good, and he understands the responsibility that he's taking. To your point, for the team, whether he feels good or not. But he's gonna let you have the impression that he feels good
1: and he is ready to go. And he is one guy, and Sets I don't wanna, the tone. I don't want to get too sappy or syrupy here, but he's one guy where he's doing it for St. Louis too. He's he 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 wa- he loves being a cardinal, but he loves being a St. Louis Cardinal. And he wants us to be happy and he wants to make us happy. Well, it's just it was an important game to come back mm-hmm.
0: for everybody. To have baseball back. I also felt, and I said it at the time. And it later was said after the game, I thought the most important at-bat of the day was the first at-bat of the game, which was Colton Wong with an uh, eight-pitch at-bat. And you could tell Wong on a couple of those pitches, um, Giolito was throwing hard. But you could tell Wong was a little tardy. I mean, some of these guys were tardy with those swings, too. And face-life pitching in 17 days is going to take a little bit. And he takes an eight-pitch walk. That was huge. It's just like, okay, we're back. Set the tone. Eight-pitch at-bat. And Giolito was a little wild early on, and they score four runs. And and that first inning was massive just
1: to get back in the swing of things. And as we move forward, I just countered, it, countered them up. I know you've looked at the schedule a lot, but after Wednesday, only one doubleheader in the next 16 days. Helps. Cardinals. It helps. Yeah, it makes a difference. It does. Um, and again, I think what's going
0: to be big is what happens with the Reds. As long right. as they have you know, one unnamed player that they can... And we think it's Nick Senzel. I'll, I'll wait till major League Baseball comes out and says it. I don't want to say anything. So wait till till that unnamed player is officially named and then we'll move on and they can get back into the swing of things. Um, and then you get back into a rhythm of playing baseball. and hopefully everything is normal for whatever normal is in 2020 <laughs> and um, and and get into a rhythm of just playing games, you know and, and, and part of that is building up your your staff too. You know, like having a rhythm to your pitching staff to where you're not just, you know, thinking, OK, how are we going to get through games? How are we going to get through a doubleheader? So these five games with the Cubs are big. Cubs are kind of running away with the division, although they hit a little hiccup this weekend.
1: Cardinals sweep there in first place. That would be
0: amazing. Um, <laughs> I, the last time they, they had a five-game series there is when Carpenter went nuts and had six yeah. home runs. And Joe Madden put an infielder in the outfield and they had four outfielders. And then the time before that, if memory serves correct, was in 2003. And it was a five game series. Yes. And really, and it put the Cardinals out of position play because there was a. Sosa so hit, hit a game winner in game one, right? Jeff Ficero was yep. on the mound, and it may still be going yeah Yeah. i remember that yeah it was a long one i remember this is the redbird report on 101 espn hopefully you enjoyed that conversation with randy and michelle also this morning on scoops with danny mack which is heard every day at 10 on 101 espn i kind of do a weekend review and also a weekend in review with brad thompson my broadcast partner on the games and we talk about What's going on with the St. Louis Cardinals? And this weekend, it was a ton. A lot of guys coming back, and in particular, an old favorite getting the job done, and that was Adam Wainwright. Man, was that an amazing start for the 38-year-old Adam Wainwright? That was unbelievable. Adam, it really was, man. Adam Wainwright never ceases to
2: amaze me. and I've had an opportunity to you know be teammates with him right when he broke into the big leagues, and just still watching him now, he just always finds a way to get stuff done. And for him, there, there are no excuses. There's no, hey, uh, you know, let's ease back into this. He knows what all these games means, and he knows specifically what that game meant coming back after 17 days off. And to me, that, that was one of those games, and we talked about it in the post-game show afterwards, had Adam Wainwright gone out there and laid an egg in that game, if he only gave you one inning, if he was incredibly erratic, if he got beat around, And you had to go into the bullpen that screws you up for this entire road trip. If you have to go to your pen, if you have to start manipulating your roster back and forth already after game one, what he did was set you up for success for the weekend and set you up for success coming into this series against the Cubs. So uh, I was so proud of him. I was so just excited again to see Cardinal baseball, Dan, we did this hit two weeks in a row on Mondays without baseball, we finally got it back. And the Cardinals won a big series, man. There were so many great things to take away from
0: it. How cool is it to see all those debuts? I, I I just I love watching Major League debuts, whether it's a Cardinal, whether it's another player on another team. I just love seeing Major League debuts. But what did you think about seeing the seven major league debuts for the St. Louis Cardinals?
2: It was cool, man. Seriously, I mean same thing for me. Every time I see one, I think about my debut and I think about uh, when uh, and it was Erica Weston who had the Zoom conference or Zoom call with Jeff Carlson, Dylan's father, and him talking about the phone call that he got from Dylan. I remember that phone call that I made. I remember, you know, talking to my parents about that and, and breaking that news. It's exciting. You, you play this game from a little kid playing T ball all the way up and you know say everybody's career goes a different path maybe uh, baseball's not for you and you try something else and you're successful in another field but the few that are fortunate enough to make it and play through high school and then play in college and then get drafted it's hard man it's a hard road so to see these dreams realized and a lot of different paths to it Dylan Carlson we all knew when he was drafted in the first round that he was going to be uh, a guy, you know, and he was going to to, uh, be a big league director at some point. We believe he'll be a cornerstone of the organization. That's not necessarily the case for every one of these guys that made these debuts. I was excited to see Kaminsky. What a, what a, a roundabout way for him to get to the big leagues. He was drafted by the Cardinals in the first round. He was traded to the Indians. He never really made it up, and he finally got a chance to. Just so many cool stories along the way for those guys and great experience.
0: I really liked the at-bats that I saw to Dylan Carlson. Now, he's going to have to make adjustments as we go along. The league will figure him out. He'll figure them out. Vice versa, the cat-and-mouse game. He went 2-for-10. I thought he had some hard-hit balls, nothing to show for it. Went 2-for-10, as I mentioned, in the series. But overall, what do you think of Dylan Carlson?
2: I agree. Professional at-bats. And one of those hard-hit balls, I think it was 108 miles an hour off the bat, a laser to left field that he hit. And uh, I agree with the cat and mouse. I agree with the league. They'll figure him out. He'll figure some things out. But just watching him, and Dan, you've had a close eye on him the last couple of years. You've seen him in spring training. You've seen him throughout the minor leagues. He doesn't have a what is a, a very visual hole in his swing. You don't look no. and say, Ah, I can get Dylan right here, like uh, O'Neill last year. Slider down the way, we got it. Harrison Bader, slider down the way. Uh, that's a thing. He doesn't have that either side of the plate. I mean, he protects really well. Even his first hit that Dylan Carlson had, I think it was on the eighth pitch of the at-bat, he fouled off a couple of nasty change-ups to end up getting to that pitch that he can hit. I love what I'm seeing. I love what I see in the approach. I love the fact that in three games, we got a chance to see Dylan Carlson in every outfield position. Started in uh, left, went to right, went to center field for the game yesterday. He can handle each one of those. And he is going to play. He's going to play a lot. And he's going to have some success. I love the approach that he takes out there. I love how he looks out in the field. and he, uh, He's going to get plenty of at-bats. And if he's doing what we expect him to do and what the organization has expected him to do, all of a sudden this lineup looks a heck of a lot better.
0: couple of guys that are right up your alley pitching. Um, I, I, I mean, could you get a better outing out of Seth Elledge with the two and a third and the five strikeouts? That stuff's going to play, isn't it?
2: Yeah, really will, and he did uh, a nice job of uh, he spotted up his heater really well. He's doing mid nineties. He spotted it up uh, on the outer half to righties, and he elevated really well, which played off of his curveball. I mean, uh, the, those two things paired really well. You look at baseball right now; it's four seams up in the zone. It's curveballs. Uh, well, he's got uh, every bit of that. He got he got uh, strikeouts on both those pitches, uh, and more of them on the fastball than the curveball. Uh, so I, I like what I saw to him. And I like the aggressiveness too. Sometimes it was hard specifically in that situation coming in uh, after the opposition had a decent time. And I still feel, I, I feel bad for uh, Roel Ramirez. That wasn't exactly the debut that I'm sure he dreamt of, but Elledge comes in after four straight home runs are hit and he strikes out the first guy he sees and then just starts ro- starts rolling after that. So, I was impressed by that. I like all the arms that they're rolling out. Dan, you know this: if the Cardinals are going to do something this year, if they're going to be a playoff team, and if they're going to make a push, with all that's happened to this point, they're going to need far more than a 28-man roster. They're going to need everybody. They're going to need almost every bit of that taxi squad, less a couple of guys that were drafted last year. Uh, they're going to use everybody. So guys are going to have to step up. And for Seth Elledge, that was one where maybe coming into it, they're thinking to themselves, "Okay, we'll just, you know, we'll get an inning out of him, we'll ship him out." And who knows? I mean, there's going to be roster moves here with the double headers, but I know this: they're not going to be afraid to put him back in a ball game again. Or if you know, if there's a roster move, bring him back. He he turned head.
0: I loved the fact that Mike Schilt gave uh, Woodford about a half hour to figure it out. Oh, by the yeah. way, you're starting. I think that's the right way to do it. Don't let him think about it. Just hey. By the way, grab your glove, grab a ball, get loose. You're uh, you're the game two starter. That's the way to do it, isn't it? I think so too. Hey, I
2: I've had those nights where you know you're starting a game and the nerves get to you, and you're thinking about it the whole time. He had the first game with Adam Wainwright pitching, thinking he might get in that ball game. That well, kind of keeps you ready. You know, you're you're, you're still uh, you're just going through the flow of it, and then to get that message after the game, get that uh, that talk, say hey. You got the ball, you go do your thing. Sometimes we can overthink things. Sometimes we we go out there as athletes in general and just try to do too much. He didn't have a chance to do too much. He just went out there, got warmed up, and went against a very difficult lineup. I thought that Woodford did a good job as well, gave you three strong innings in that one. And uh, another guy that I know that the organization has been high on, and another guy that can do multiple things for you you start a game like that obviously he can eat up innings in the middle of a game and give you multiples those guys have so much value right now so i was excited to see him and i agree with you i think schulte played that one played that one right and i don't know if it's it was all the mental game of it of saying hey i'm just gonna throw this on him or if it was hey let's see what wayno does if wayno doesn't get us deep into the game maybe we can piggyback with jake woodford but it worked out pretty darn
0: well. One of the things that we're seeing, Brad Thompson, my guest, is that Edmund is playing short. We're seeing a lot of uh, Kisner, obviously, over the weekend uh, behind home plate. So we're still waiting for DeYoung. We're still waiting for Yachty. You're going to probably have to ease those guys in. And and John Moselock said he's going to want to see those guys get a little time, maybe at Springfield, to get some <clears throat> live at-bats, live look at some pitching, those kind of things. How do you think you ease those guys in and make sure that you're, you're handling that situation right
2: um uh, well you know yadi as well as i know i don't know how much how much easing in there's going to be hey we're going to give andrew a game then we will give you a game when yadi's ready yadi's going to be in there and honestly i feel the same way about the young once those guys are ready i agree with the sentiment of sending them to springfield give a couple of at-bats they're doing some loose workouts but to get that I i think that's important for a couple of days and maybe who knows maybe we'll see them when the royals come to town early next week but in the meantime, the versatility is a beautiful thing that Tommy Edmond has. He can bounce all over the place. He looks good. He looks solid at shortstop. And we know in the minor leagues he's played plenty of it. So you feel comfortable there. And for me, until Yachty does come back, show me all the Andrew Kisner you've got. Because the kid is impressive. He really is. We, we saw with the bat early on. He had two hits uh, in, in his debut. An RBI single to right, hit a double to left. But then behind the plate, the catch and throw looks really good. It took him a minute yesterday to kind of get into uh, uh, remembering how much the ball sinks from Dakota Hudson. I'm sure he had to ice his thumb a little bit after that. But he did a, a great job of calling the game, of corralling the pitches, and he just he's going to grow at that aspect of the game behind the plate, of calling it, of framing pitches, of all the catch and throw, of thinking and slowing the game down. But I've been really impressed with Andrew Kisner as well. Again, small sample size, but how are you going to get better? Well, are you going to get better by playing, getting at-bats, and getting reps? And I like what I've seen out of him.
0: What do you think the the thing is with, with Hudson? He he had first-inning problems last year. ERA was, I think, 5.28 in the first inning, and then after that, roughly about 25 Again yesterday, 24 pitches in the first inning. Then he was fine. He did that in the first game against Pittsburgh that he started uh, roughly three weeks ago on a Sunday afternoon. What is it, Brad, for a pitcher in a first inning, and how do you combat that to try to make sure that you can control that sinker that has such great movement? You had a great sinker, so how do you try to combat that as a starter in that first inning?
2: You stop being too fine. You stop trying to be perfect in the first inning, And, and to me, that's something... Specifically, the last couple of years that I've seen from Dakota Hudson, instead of just trying to throw that sinker at the bottom of the zone, he's trying to throw that sinker at the bottom of the zone and hit a corner. Well, all of a sudden you do that and it's ball one, it's ball two. Then you got to come to guys in the hitters count. It's not going to help you at all. So to me, it's simplifying just the bottom of the strike zone. That was one of the things that Dave Duncan. Uh, just hammered home with me right when I got called up. We'd get out of a pitchers meeting and I'd kind of kinda of come out there my head spinning with all the information that we got and Dave and would say, Hey, you know all that stuff you just learned? Forget all that crap. Just throw your sinker down at the bottom of the zone. You're gonna be fine. I think Dakota Dakota has that type of, of sinker. His sinker is better than mine. His is ninety five with life. If he just focuses down in the zone, I think he's gonna gonna have more success. I think Dan honestly if this worked for me I don't know if it will for, for him. Dakota works too slow. He works way too slow for me. He's got to get the ball and, and throw it. because He's kind of low on people to sleep a little bit, and I don't think that he ever gets a chance to get in a groove. Uh, if he could speed it up somehow, some way, man, I really think that would help. Him.
0: Were you shocked this weekend that the Cardinals came out and swept that double letter? I, I don't mean it disrespectfully yeah. to this team, but I was, I mean, they hadn't played in 17 days They're playing a very good white Sox team, at least in terms of their lineup. Now they haven't played expectations, but I, I was shocked. How about you? Dude,
2: I, I didn't mean to laugh when I said yes, but yes, yes. yes of course I was shocked. No, yeah, No doubt about it. To put up four runs in the first inning after 17 days off, and yeah, it looks like Giolito helped out. I mean, watch the leadoff hitter. Great at bat by Colton Long, and something that Shilty and the other guys were singing the praises about. couple of hit batters throughout that, but they took pressure on him. They took really good at bats. And something that really stood out to me over this weekend series was the lack of strikeouts overall as a team. I mean, I I think that they were putting the ball in play. We're not seeing the the, uh, 9-10 strikeouts a game. So I I was impressed. I was shocked that they swept the doubleheader. And it's you win a series against a talented team. You're right. The White Sox haven't played up to exactly where everybody expected them to be. But you win that series after 17 days off. That has got to give you some big-time wind in your sails heading into this series against the Cubs.
0: And I'll wrap it up with this. Uh, With all the debuts, Wainwright's uh, performance, and taking two and three, what was your favorite part of just having baseball back? What was your favorite part of watching this weekend?
2: I mean, it was the competition in general, honestly, was number one. But if I had to pick out an individual performance for me that got me the most excited and just made me happy, it was watching Alex Reyes go back out there and strike out the side, going 100 miles an hour, three strikeouts all on heaters, and he finally looked free and easy again. Dan, I don't know what the future looks like for him. I don't know where they're going to project him. I don't know if they're going to try to just throw him back in as a starter next year and see what happens, or if he's going to be an integral part of the bullpen. But, God, Lee, he looked good. I mean, that, that is the guy that you remember, the free and easy. still got the snap, drag, and breaking ball. That pumped me up a lot.
0: Always great to visit with you on these Mondays. Thanks, Brad. No problem, Dan. Have a good one. That's Brad Thompson. You can hear him every day on 101 ESPN. You can hear the Redbird Report every Monday at 6 on 101 ESPN. For Randy Carricker, Michelle Smallman, Brad Thompson, I'm Dan McLaughlin. This has been the Redbird Report on 101 ESPN.